When death is all around, you are our peace. When all else seems to fail, you are our strength. When our weakness overcomes, you are, yes, you are. When our world is shaken, when our hope is broken, still you are God of all. You amaze us. You alone are worthy of our praises. You deserve our worship. We adore you. Your glory and your majesty renew us. Consume us. Your word brings light when darkness falls around. Your word speaks truth when we're lost and wandering. You are our God. Above you, there's no one else. You are, yes, you are. When our world is shaken, when our hope is broken, still you are God of today is a mighty mission. It's from Acts 20, verse 24. If you have that, I'm going to read it in just a moment. Let me kind of set it up. Murray Bethel has written a book entitled, 
making a difference. Twelve qualities that make you a great leader. In the very first chapter, he says, uh, uh, there is a leadership quality that every leader must have. He says, this is the most important thing. And of course, uh, what he's talking about is that you have to have a mission that matters. You've got to be about something that is important if you're going to be a great leader. I want to remind all of us today that we have a mission that matters in our church. From the Great Commission forward, Christians have a mission to change the world. We're supposed to change the whole thing. And we're supposed to call upon the power of God to be able to do that. The author explains our mission in Acts 20, verse 24. Let's look at it. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel, to the good news of God's grace. The author says, my life really doesn't count unless I complete my mission. Well, what is our mission in life? What is the main thing? that we're supposed to accomplish. Well, if you're a believer, the moment that you became a Christian, your mission in life changed from just reaching retirement. It's different than that. The Bible says that we're going to change the world through our number one mission of bringing folks, men, women, boys, and girls, into the kingdom. It's obvious that for a person to get into God's family, somebody's got to talk to them. Somebody has got to sit down and explain to them what it's all about. Somebody has to take that time, give that emphasis, uh, share with them. That's the way it works. When I was a kid, the coach of the softball team sat me down, talked to me about Jesus. I will never forget that. I'll never forget the blessing that he was in my life. You became a part of God's creation by just being born. You become a part of God's family by choosing to be a part of it. John 3.16 says, Whosoever believeth, the believing part has to be in there. Someone told me one day what it meant to be a part of God's family. He shared, as I mentioned, after a softball practice. Somebody has got to tell the rest of the people. Who will do that? Who's going to be the bearer of the good news? Who's going to be the the gospel spreader, if you will? Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you, starts it out, you, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, you will be the messenger. Well, what is a witness? A witness is somebody that has been through an experience and has personal knowledge about it and then shares that knowledge with somebody else. You might have seen an accident and the police want you to be a witness to tell what you saw. You might have gone to a football game and 
and people want you to tell them uh, just how it went from a bird's eye view. You might have seen a crime, and the court system wants you to come and say, this is what I saw, this is who did what. In the Christian life, we have to be a witness of what has happened to us, and we have to share that with the folks that are around us. Regardless of my career, whether I'm a truck driver or a medical doctor, an accountant or a stockbroker, I need to use that career as a, a modality for sharing my faith with the folks that are around me. My mission as a Christian is to help other people come into God's kingdom. Now, point number one, what is the motive? What is the motive that we have? The motive is love. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is patient not wanting anyone to perish, but wants everyone to come to him. God never made a person that he didn't love. Every once in a while I hear somebody say, you know, nobody's ever loved me. Well, yes, they did. The Lord loved you. He made you. You're very, very special in his eyes. Everybody matters. As long as there is one person who does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, God wants that person to know him. God wants everyone to be a part of his family. And because God cares, then we must care. Our motive is love. People don't care how much I know until they know how much I care. And it's the same with you and will be the same all the days of our life. So the first part of our fulfilling our mission as a church is to simply love people, reach out and care about the folks that are around us. If I have the cure for cancer and I, I keep that message to myself, that's a crime. You need to share that. If I have some food and the people next door are starving, I need to share with them. That's important. It's a crime not to do it. If I have come to know Christ as my Lord and Savior and he has elevated my life about a thousand times, then I need to share that good news with the folks that are around me. The cover of U.S. News and World Report uh, years ago had a cover, Who Wrote the Bible? The cover of Time Magazine said, Who was Jesus? The cover of Life Magazine said, Who is God? Would you agree that there is a deep spiritual hunger in our nation? You know, these folks that put out the magazines, they're not going to have a spiritual topic on the front cover unless a lot of people are interested in that because their goal is to sell the magazines. You know, if you look at those uh, magazines that are there on the checkout aisle as you go through the, the line to pay, you'll notice that many of the topics that are discussed in their magazine has something to do with some spiritual aspect. So my mission is to share the gospel in love and to bring those folks into God's family. The motive is love. What is my message? Point number two. The message is the good news, the gospel, the good news. Uh, Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. It did not say to proclaim the good news to the church. 
It says to proclaim the good news to all the world. All the world. Does that include where I work? Yes. Does that include where I live? Yes. Does that include those that I play pickleball with? Yes. Does that include those that I play bridge with? Yes. Does it include everybody? What about the folks at the shopping center that I've gotten to know because I go there so often? Our mission is to share the good news. Do you like to get good news? Of course you do. Everybody does. We love to get good news. Uh, do you like to share good news? Sure you do. It's, it's really uh, great when you have something wonderful uh, to tell and you can uh, break the good news to somebody. That's always a wonderful thing. Now listen to me. If you're a Christian and you say that you have a hard time sharing your faith, the reason you're having a hard time sharing your faith is that you have forgotten how good the good news is. It is great news, and we need to share it. What is the good news? Let me summarize it with three biblical points. John 10.10 says, I have come so that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. The first thing about the good news is that it is and brings fulfillment. Fulfillment. He said that I have come that you might have life, not religion, not a ritual, not rules, not regulations, not stuffy ceremonies, none of that. Christianity is a lifestyle. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life, life to its fullest. Are people looking for that? Absolutely they are. All around us every day, that's the good news. Number two, God offers freedom. Jesus said, if the Son of Man sets you free, then you are really free. You are free indeed, John 8, 36. I would have to say, as I talk to people, I, I hear the same phrase used many times over the years. Some folks say, you know, I feel trapped. I, I feel like my life is in a rut and I can't, I can't get out of the rut. I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm in a rut. Some people say, I can't break free from the relationship that I, I'm in. I've been going with somebody for a long time, and I can't seem to break out of that, break away from that. I can't break free from a bad habit that I have. I can't break free from a circumstance, from a memory that keeps coming back every day. I can't erase it. I'm trapped. Well, the good news is that Jesus sets us free. Free. He sets us free from the guilt of the past. He sets us free from resentment. He sets us free from bitterness. He sets us free from boredom. He sets us free from the expectations of others. If you're pleasing him then you're doing a great job. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Free to be what God wants you to be. The more I let Christ into my life, the freer I become. Not only does God offer us freedom and fulfillment, he also offers us forgiveness. All of us that are here this morning need forgiveness. 
Maybe you have applied that in your life at a much earlier point and place. Romans 6.23 says, God's free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God says that he wants to wipe the slate clean. I want to have a clear conscience. Jesus brings that. I want to wipe out the past. Jesus can do that. I want to give a new start. Uh, Jesus gives that to us. It's just like being born again. That's what it is. When I think of forgiveness and freedom and fulfillment, I think to myself, that's what everybody wants, those three things. You know, people are spending a third, a fourth of all the money they have every year to find those three things. Some people at their job, they're saying, you know, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. This is what I have to have. Uh, Please, help me find it. Well, the reason you don't uh, uh, share, we we have the answer. The reason we don't share is because we have forgotten how good the good news is. You tend to think that most people are as happy as you are. Most people aren't. You know, if you sit down with the 10 people that you meet first in the morning and talk to them at length about their situation in life, you'll start crying. Because there's a lot of folks that are facing a lot of things, and it's difficult and it's hard, and they're not doing as well as you are. Because Christ is at the center, the very center of your life. One thing about the good news is that it sounds better and better every day, and that's good. Because the news of the world sounds worse and worse every day. In the 60s, folks tried one thing. In the 70s, something else. In the 80s, something else. In the 90s, something else. As it turned 2000, we turned to this and to that. In 2010, we turned to this and to that. I talked to a young man one time, and he came in to see me, and he said, You know, preacher, I've tried everything else. I've tried uh, authority, I've tried power, I've tried sex, I've tried drugs, I've tried money, I've tried everything. And my life is the biggest mess you can imagine. I looked at him, I said, well, have you ever tried Jesus? He said, I never have, that's why I'm here. You know, there's folks around us every day that have never, ever, really, really now, tried Jesus. Well... Number three, my method is to live it and to share it. First, I must demonstrate the good news in my life. Titus 2.10 says, show you can be fully trusted so that in every way you will make the teaching about God attractive. God wants us to demonstrate in our lifestyle that it means a wonderful thing to be a believer. And that that life is a wonderful life. We want to show that so that it is attractive to a lost world. Nobody wants to follow a gripe. Nobody wants to follow a grinch. Nobody wants to follow somebody that is always running everything down. We want to get away from those kind of people. You know, we want to show that the Lord has come into our heart and life and that the gospel is coming out of us, 
and, and that it is attractive. It is a wonderful word, a wonderful message that we can share with the world. The fact is you're being watched, and you say, well, preacher, nobody's watching me. Yes, they are. They absolutely are. Do you go to the same beauty shop or the same barber shop every time? They're, they're all getting to know you in there, aren't they? They're watching you. Where you work, all the employees are watching you. All the bosses are watching you. All your neighbors are watching you. They're watching you like a hawk. And there are some people in our life that you are the only person that can give a a viable witness to them. You're the only one that can do it. They've watched a lot of people, but they don't relate to them. They relate to you. You're a coin collector like they are. You have a lot of uh, rocks, uh, arrowheads, things like that, and and you're the only one that has that uh, hobby that uh, they know. You're the one through some methodology. You're the only one that can reach them. There are some people that you're going to come in contact with this week. Some folks that you have never met before. You can make a very positive uh, impression on them. And in the course of the conversation, you can say something, well, have you found a church yet here in town? All of a sudden, you know, the door is open. For a spiritual witness. If they could see Christ in you, that would be the thing that would help them take that step over the line. That's the thing. There are some people who will never be reached unless you reach them. I take all this very seriously. I hope that you do. We're talking about uh, where people are going to spend eternity. If they're going to go to heaven or if they're going to go to hell. They are both very real. And how I live my life and who I choose to share Christ with makes all the difference in the world to that person. You're the one that can reach them. Your life is either going to draw people to Christ like a magnet or it's going to turn them completely off. How you live is influencing people much, much more than you think. The second thing is I have to share it. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, uh, give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and with respect. Uh, In other words... Don't bash them uh, to get their attention. When I was in Baylor, I had a friend that was a young ministerial student. He was just kind of starting out, and he always carried around this gigantic black Bible. And uh, I thought he was going to smack people with it. I mean, he carried that thing around with him all the time. And I I could just hear him saying, you've got to turn or burn. You know, I could just hear him saying to somebody, you're going to die and fry, and and I'm going to go to the sky. (laughs) I could just hear him saying that to somebody. 
Well, that is not, as you know, what reaches people. That isn't it. What reaches people is caring about them, is loving them, and to do it with gentleness and respect, the way Jesus did it. Have you ever heard this? I'm never going to talk to anybody about Christ because I just let my life uh, be my witness. Have you heard that? I've heard that a lot. Uh, Can you imagine the ego that's involved in saying that? Uh, They are saying, basically, I have attained such a level of perfection that if people watch me, they'll just automatically be be translated into glory. (laughs) If they see me and how I live, it'll just impress them. Well, the only problem with that is that it's totally wrong. You have to tell people. You have to sit down with them, talk to them. It's not enough just to live it. You know, even Jesus told people. He didn't just walk around. He talked to people about have the full and rich uh, life in the Lord that they could have. We say something like this. Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, not many people do. And certainly, you know, we're not calling everybody to be an evangelist. But we are calling everybody to be a witness. If you'd had an experience in your life, then you can give a witness of what happened. The greatest need in our society is what I call the audiovisual Christian. That's the person who walks the walk and talks the talk. That's the person who says it and then shows it in the life that they live. Let me give us three practical suggestions on how we can get started on this mission that the Lord has for us. Number one, make a prayer list. You say, well, who should be on my prayer list? Your husband, your wife, your children, your parents. That's the first group, the people that are the closest to you. Who should be next? Your relatives. Who should be next? Well, uh, your close friends, then your neighbors, then your regular acquaintances. We are. We are not responsible for the people that we haven't met. But we are responsible for the folks with whom we uh, relate regularly. We are responsible to bear a witness with them. The second thing is to start building a bridge by listening and caring. The key word in sharing your faith is relationship. Years ago, I taught a single adult Bible study class in a restaurant, and folks uh, came in from all over the place. We had a big crowd. One guy drove 90 miles one way to come to this one-hour meeting that we had every week, and I just couldn't believe that he did that. He had to pass 50 churches, you know, getting there. And so one day I asked him, I said, Bob, why is it that you drive so far to come to this and he looked at me and without a any pause at all he said well the people here love me said that's why I come the people here love me and that's the kind of net that we want to spread out over all the folks that we interface with on a regular basis that they are in the circle of love from our life If you want your life to really count, then invest it 
in bringing some folks closer to the Lord. They will thank you for eternity for what you've done. Can you imagine? I don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like. You don't either. But I, I think this. I think when we get there, there are going to be some people that are going to walk up to us. And they're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You might not remember me, but back there in the 40s, back there in the 50s, back there in the 60s, 70s, you came over to my house and sat down with me and opened your Bible and told me about Jesus. And then another one will come up and they'll say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the one that came to my house and you gave me a Bible. I didn't have a Bible. You gave me one. Or the other person that will say, thank you, thank you so much. You remember after that football game, I was all beaten up and tired and, and I, I just, I wasn't in a good mood or anything. And you sat down there on the bench beside me. And you shared with me your faith. And that's the reason that I'm in heaven today. Because of what you did and what you said. What will impress people is the fact that you're going through some of the same struggles that they're going through. But you have a help. You have an aid. You have the Lord Jesus in your heart. And you can share him with those around you. If you aren't bringing folks to church, then you're missing a great opportunity to fulfill the mission that the Lord has laid on you. I read that George Gallup did a survey a number of years ago and discovered that there were 61 million people in America without a church home. They weren't affiliated with any church. Of those, over 50%, he said, uh, I would go to church. I I would just I was just waiting on somebody to invite me. Fifty percent of the folks that aren't going anywhere. The mission that we are talking about today is critical. There is no greater cause, no greater purpose, no greater mission in life. Nothing that will last and have a a longer lasting impact. Because of the results that will last into eternity. Will you join me on a mission that can make a huge, huge difference? Not only in our world, but in the lives of that specific person that the Lord wants you to talk to. I hope you will. Join us in that mission. Today, if you're in the service, you've been thinking about trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been thinking about taking a stand for the risen Lord. We want to give you an opportunity today to do that. We try to do that every Sunday. Give an opportunity for folks to come out of the crowd, to come and take a stand for Jesus. You know, that's what Jesus did. He would teach, he would preach. He'd say, are there any folks here that will come and follow me? And you know, people came out of the crowd and stood by the Lord. Are there those here today that have already stood with Jesus, you're already a believer, but you need a church home. You're here for X number of, of months during the year, and you need a church home while you're here. I don't know if all of you know this, but uh, we have what we call an associate membership where you can come and join with us for the half year, four or five months, or however long it is that you're here. We want you to do that so you'll feel at home 
in this church. We don't contact your other church and tell them that you've left them. We don't do that. We just want you to have a church home while you're here. And certainly we can work that out. Today, if you sense the Lord leading in any way in your life, just slip out, slip forward. I'll be standing right here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together as we sing. I have I'm going to ask you today, if you would, to just bow your head for a moment. We have about five more minutes. Just bow your head and pray. Say, Lord, if the person on my left or the person on my right, person in front of me, behind me, if they're struggling about making a decision to honor Christ, Lord, give them strength. Give them help today. Father, help them to take a stand for you. Just Let's just pray that prayer right now. Jim, let's sing one more stanza. Will you decide how to follow Jesus? Will you decide how to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No Would you be seated for just a moment, please? Donna Ayotte has been visiting with us for six, four or five months. Uh, she's coming to join with us today from First Baptist Church in Temple Terrace. We're so glad that you're doing that. Come up and stand with me here. Aren't you glad she's coming? I'm going to take her and we're going to stand at the back door. As you go out, welcome her, if you would, into our family. Let's stand. Jim, you lead us in the closing song. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your 